want the world. Yeah, I want the world. Yeah, I want it all. Said I want the world. Yeah, I want the world. I'm coming to get it. Don't care what you heard. Don't care what you heard. I'm taking it all because I want the world. Yeah, I want the world. Yeah, I want the world. It's the best in the game. Best in the biz. About that time, and you know what it is. Coming from Brooklyn, bringing that truth. Never gonna lie. Never gonna lose. Always on top. Keeping it steady. He'll make you tap out and you won't be ready. He got the suplex breaking your back. Now everyone in the world gonna listen to Taz. All right, all right. What's going on, guys? What's up? What's up? Great to come out and talk to you guys again here on the podcast, the Taz Show. Yes, uh, we are. Jeez, we're going strong here. Probably close to 600. I don't even know what we're at. But uh, thank you for downloading this on radio.com or on the Apple Podcast deal, wherever you get your podcasts. It's um, very much appreciated. So, Gonna bring you another episode right here. So, um, uh, gonna, it's interesting, interesting topic. It's basically very simple: suplex. Um, <laughs> you know, I um, uh, just to pull back the curtain a little bit of the Taz show. I was talking privately to a handful of fans of and supporters of my content here, my wrestling content, um, that have been fans and supporters of the Taz show. From geez, a couple of these cats since the human podcast machine days, and a couple after that, but for hundreds of episodes. So, <laughs> um, maybe six guys. Um, I bounced an idea off in a private message to each of them. And I know I very rarely do that. I very rarely do that, but I, I wanted to get a, you know, a, a feel from what. And and these these guys actually are not all buddies. They they they're, they're not that they're enemies, um, but um, I don't want to name names. But they know who they are, and I want to thank them. So, so that inspired me to do this. So I had this idea, and I, I want to discuss every once in a while. Come out here and talk about a move, okay? A wrestling move, and I you know me for those that are used to my content, I try not to pull back the curtain all the way. I let you peek behind a little bit, but I don't want to go too deep, even though how much of the business is left to protect, right? I guess that's the old school in me. There's probably not that much left to protect. So, um, but whatever's left, I try to keep my integrity in regards to being uh, a wrestler who broke in in the, you know, late 80s, 87. So that's late eighties. <laughs> you know, I, 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 you know, I still have those old school tendencies in me. So I don't want to put back the curtain too much. But so this particular episode is basically simply called Suplex. And if you remember, I had done a show. I believe Seth and I. Seth was the producer, and it was oh man a while back. Basically, like I think we called it Suplex One Hundred and One. I, I don't, there was, uh, I don't remember this so many shows, but there was like a disagreement about something and I was straightening it out about what's a suplex, what's not. I, I don't remember the hell what the hell it was, but all I know was damn good shit, right? So <laughs> if I put it out, it was good shit. I'm joking. Sometimes I put out some bad stuff, but um, so I want to, I want to talk about suplexing. I want to talk about. You know, I'm not going to go deep into the origins of it and stuff like that, but I want to talk about certain guys that are known for suplexing um, and girls now, uh, you know, men and women, 
I want to talk about maybe the timing of when and when not, you know, just like the, the nooks and crannies of suplexing, just a full convo about it. And I hope you guys dig it. I mean, I, you know me, I don't normally write out a script or write out bullet points. I don't <clears throat> normally write on anything. I just come out here and turn the mic on and we rock and roll. We turn it on, we turn it on, we get the levels and we, we're, we're good to go. That's normally how I do it. Um, so I just wanted to, you know, uh, I'll get into that in a second. Uh, first, I want I want to say, uh, uh, if you or someone you know is concerned about a veteran, please call the Veterans Crisis Line. Confidential support is available twenty four hours a day, seven days a week, three hundred and sixty five days a year for veterans and their family members. Simply dial one 8255 and pressing number one or using the online chat function on veteranscrisisline.net. Or you can also text, guys, uh, texting 838255. Um, so the Veterans Crisis Line is available to all veterans, even those not enrolled in VA healthcare. Even those not enrolled in VA healthcare. So, guys, please uh, visit veteranscrisisline.net. To learn more about recognizing signs of crisis, warning signs of suicide, and how to respond to a veteran loved one in crisis. So uh, I will give you the phone number one more time, 800-273-8255, press the number one, or use the online chat function on veteranscrisisline.net, or you can text 838-255. So suplexing. Okay. Now. There's, if you look at, like, for example, the definition of the word suplex, a wrestling hold in which a wrestler grasps his opponent around the waist from behind and carries him backwards. Well, that's, (laughs) this, this, that's, that's, that was, um, where did we print this? Oh, dictionary.com. Okay. I don't necessarily agree with that definition. (laughs) So the word bridging needs to be involved. So for me, um. And I believe a while back, someone was showing me something on Wikipedia. I'm not looking at it now, but about suplexing. I think the word bridging was in there. Okay, so listen. First off, a, a suplex is obviously is a hold, a move, I should say, that, that wrestlers do. And it was not invented by, you know, professional wrestlers and sports entertainers. It's The origin is from you know, amateur wrestling and, and going back to Greece, um, you know, and, and, and Roman days and stuff. So the... the and you've heard many times from for those older wrestling fans or those real historians of the business, it's and the late great Gordon Soley, one of the greatest, arguably the greatest play-by-play ever to call professional wrestling, was calling it by the actual pronunciation of souple. So that's how where the X was silent, souple, not suplex. So um, you know, when you are around hypothetically, let's say you're hanging around a wrestling room. What, um, you know, collegiate wrestlers or, or international world-class wrestlers, you know, maybe training for their country's Olympic team or what have you, they'll, they'll call it a suplex, obviously, you know what the hell it is, but they also use the word throw a lot. So you'll, you'll hear them say, oh, that's a great throw. They, they use throw more than they actually use suplex or suplex. Um, uh, you know, throw is the actual kind of slang term. For what 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 wrestling? Now I, I can't speak of this generation's professional wrestlers. I don't know what they call it. 
Um, if you go back and watch a match with myself and a great wrestler in EC Dub that was underrated, Little Guido, you guys know Little Guido. Uh, Guido and I were doing a, a you know, kind of like a shoot style match in, in Philadelphia and ECW, the original ECW, and Kurt Angle, right after he won the gold medal, was doing color commentary with Joey Styles, my man Joey Styles. So, and every uh, few times I would hit a suplex, Kurt would reference it. Oh, what a throw. Look at that throw. That's some throw, that type of thing. Um, you'll hear Michael Cole now, he'll use the word throw. I don't know where he learned that, <clears throat> but uh, <laughs> yeah, so he'll use throw once in a while too. It's it's the slang uh, chatter of it is, is it's a throw, and and you know it's there's an art to it, guys. There is an art form to executing a suplex the proper way. Now there's different types of suplexes, right? So there's there's you know I've was known for um, all different types and variations of different throws you know suplexes so um some uh how do i explain this some throws are not that they're better than others some are more explosive than others some are um you know some maybe look better some maybe are safer than others you know there's all different ways to you know what i mean like there's all different reasons why one would do a certain throw right so any young wrestlers, what I would do is I would definitely, I would, the first thing you got to think about is, okay, I'm going to try to master one or two suplexes. The first thing you got to do, the first thing that popped in my head back in the day when I wanted to bring a heavy arsenal of suplexing to my offense was the safety factor. Now, I know a lot of folks might be a little surprised to hear that because if you watched me and watched how I worked, uh, my suplexes at times looked very reckless, um, but I can assure you that was by design. Uh, they were not reckless. They were every one of them were calculated. Um, they were they were done. Uh, the first goal was safety of my opponent. Um, I've banged up a few guys for sure, um, accidentally not not a ton. And I've talked about this in the past. There was one or two that I hurt purposely <laughs> not trying to destroy them but but send a message um, um but um i don't suggest that for anyone <laughs> i i have, was a little bit of a combustible character when i was younger as a wrestler as a lot of you guys know so i was a little bit on the wilder side but uh i can tell you that my throws were always calculated my throws were always with the first goal of my throws was safety and they were not reckless. The goal was to look reckless. The goal was to look, oh, my God, this guy's fucking going crazy. Holy shit, he's going to drop somebody in the head. This guy's, this guy's dangerous, yada, yada, yada. Uh, that was my job, so to look dangerous, but yet for my opponents to feel safe. So, um, you know, I always made sure that someone was comfortable and any throw that I would give them. Um, a lot of times, once I got comfortable wrestling certain guys, you know, when we were regular matches, you know, all the guys from my, you know, genre, um, they would suggest throws to me. You know, let's do this. Why don't you do this? Like Van Dam, a lot of times he would, you know, we would talk. He would, he would, Sabu too. Like those guys would come up with stuff. Chris Candido, God rest his soul, Chris too. When I'd wrestle those guys, they would say, hey, dude, do this one. Try this one. On. You know, let's do, let's do this spot. We could do that. You know, a lot of times it was my opponent once we really got comfortable with each other. You know what I mean? Um, it's, um, so there's 
the thing is, I, I want to explain. Like, I don't want any younger wrestlers to hear this and get the wrong and go about this the wrong way. You, you have to make sure that you you know what you're doing and you're safe. Any kind of throw where you're throwing your opponent backwards, where you're back arching, you know, bridging, um, even as simple as a German suplex. A German suplex uh, can be an extremely dangerous, dangerous move. I mean, it's it's probably oversaturated now in the industry. You see it constantly, um, but that doesn't mean you see it done properly constantly. Um, frankly, a lot of these German suplexes you see, without naming names, I don't be disrespectful, are not done <laughs> with the proper technique. Um, a lot of them aren't. They truly aren't. Um, the, you know, the the right way uh, is to make sure your the key is to make sure your hips are below your opponent's hips. That's one of the keys to executing a suplex from behind, especially. You want to make sure your hips. That's what always helped me, and I've mentioned this, you know, years a couple years back here. You know, my hips were automatically lower than most of my opponents because I wasn't as tall as a lot of these guys. So suplexing was a, a very easy for me to add into my offense. But I I practiced and practiced on a crash mat. I practiced for the safety of it and different variations of it. And, you know, uh, that that was what took me time. I'm talking about, like, this was, like, in the beginnings of the Tasmaniac days. This was way before Orange and Black Attack, Human Suplex Machine, ECW. I mean, I, I you know, those early years of the Tasmaniac, that's when I started bringing in the suplexing. Now, any young wrestlers out there, man, just make sure – you are, you know, you're not releasing your opponent. Here's one of the keys. Now, this is where I'll pull back the curtain a little bit. I'll pull it back a little bit. The, one of the keys is you you do not want to release, if you're doing a German suplex hypothetically, hypothetically you do not want to release your opponent too late. Uh, if you have a very good back arch and you release your opponent I had a really good back arch, right? My hips were very explosive in my throw because I trained at it. So if I, when I was in the motion of the throw of the German or uh, a dragon suplex, which is a full Nelson into a back like German, right? Um, if it, it, this is more detailed than I thought I'd want to get, but if I'm going to German you and my hands are around your waist and I'm clasping the right way, and I had a really good back arch like I did. And I let go of you. The later I let go of you in the air, let's say I don't hold it. I'm not going to stick it with a bridge. And I want to do a release German. The later I hold on to you, the higher you're going to land. So that's a little pull back the current for you. So if you watch men or women that do a proper German with a proper back arch, which is a bridge, and they're doing a release German, the longer they hold their opponent, the better chance that opponent's going to land towards their upper neck and back of their skull, which is when you're in that ultra high risk area, right? So that's something to look at. Look at um, a lot of bigger guys. They they perform the German the proper way, like Brock Lesnar. When I say proper way, he does not, and he knows how to do a back arch properly. I can assure you. But on his Germans, when he does the whole Suplex City gimmick. He almost, I don't want to say he stays flat back. He doesn't bridge that much on purpose. I really believe that. I know Brock, and I know that his goal is not to hurt someone. So he knows how strong he is, and he knows how good his back arch is. He dummies down that throw, I promise. And he lets go of his opponent early so his opponent can land, you know, uh, land flat and safe for the most part. You know what I mean? 
he he does it true. Say, bra, oh, I'm sorry, Kurt Kurt Angle was the same way. You know, Kurt Kurt didn't go into a full crazy back arch with his Germans unless he was sticking a bridge with it. Um, you know, because you know you don't you know like those guys I just named they had explosive hips because now that might sound weird like oh you must be good in a sack no that's no that's kind of immature um no explosive hips comes from you know proper lower body training proper working you know working deadlifts working squats you know building your quads and your hamstrings flexibility's key you know tons of flexibility training um along with training in it stepping through as you would call like um you know, you're on a mat, you're you're either barefoot or you're on you're wearing amateur wrestling shoes and you you practice on a dummy and you step through and, and work on popping your hips into that dummy. You just drive your hips. It's like you're dancing aggressively with someone, right? So it's like La Bamba, I guess, kind of like fucking some crazy like type of La Bamba dance when you drive your hips into the opponent. It's a dummy and you just work on driving your hips and that's part of the training and you see a lot of especially international wrestlers, guys that are in in, Gre- in Greco, you know, Greco Roman wrestling or freestyle, they'll do that. Um, so I did a plethora of that type of training, uh, along with judo background, along with a very light sambo training. I, I didn't have a ton of that, but some very little. Um, and I also, um, through just years of training in a wrestling room you guys remember chris chetty well his brother joey you know was a great great wrestler and uh, a collegiate wrestler and a high school wrestler and a wrestling a great high school wrestling coach and a, a powerful high school program on long island and joe years ago i'm talking about he he uh you know he was almost like my coach quasi so we would work together on the throws behind the scenes so uh, i don't know if i've ever said that publicly i might have um that's not might not be like breaking news like whoa 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 and and by the way for those uh, real historians for shits and giggles joe was also the if you remember there was a very short time in the iwccw where there was two not one two tasmaniacs one was that guy so (laughs) yeah so uh, we did a bunch of matches at the hamburg field house in pennsylvania hamburg pennsylvania and uh, for the iwccw and the suplexes were flying all over the fucking place and uh joe basically his career was cut short for danger purposes and i almost got the bad rub i'm like joe you got to take a powder sir adios so that's kind (laughs) of and he was also he also has very great uh, excellent feet you know he's got tremendous flexibility and kicking power he had a uh, karate background also so uh he was just kicking dudes fucking heads off i'm like yo yo bro i know we're going over in this thing we're squashing guys but you just can't like knocking people's heads off uh this again was way back in time this was in shit, probably 1989 1990 something like that and uh we're working in hamburg Fieldhouse in pennsylvania for the iwccw doing a bunch of tvs right so uh yeah it didn't last long so he was the other taz maniac and he also for those ecw fans you guys remember him with team taz and when he was handcuffed to was it todd gordon drawing a blank yeah yeah and then he he took the money no uh yeah no he had uh Sensei Tom, who was our judo sensei, he was ref in a match. Me and Chris Jericho. That's right, me and Chris Jericho. Yeah, we had the dirty sensei. So anyway, I kind of went off on tangent. I apologize. But uh, I just started thinking about that. But um, <laughs> that's funny. But, but, but like, okay, so there are, certain, um, <clears throat> there are certain wrestlers, right, pro wrestlers that are known for their suplexing, 
you know, um, no matter if they're retired or not, you know, and, and no particular order. I'll just, again, not reading this. I'll just spitballing with you. Uh, obviously, Ryan Sheik is someone that you got to tip your cap to. I always um, thought was a great suplexer besides being a you know, great international wrestler before he was a pro wrestler for Iran. Um, tremendous. Uh, he was one of the pioneers, one of the pioneers. Uh, bringing proper technique of suplexing into professional wrestling. Uh, so Sheiky Baby, definitely uh, mad respect for him. Um, he would do the, the his gut wrench where he would just, you know, reach over, like kind of reaching over the opponent's body, like kind of towards their back and gut wrenching. You know how you class for a gut wrench, and he would just, you know, pop his hips a little bit and, and dump you. And it was done so well. I mean, he would just gut wrench guys on the mat and roll with them and, you know, when he was younger in his prime, like he was very impressive, uh, very impressive. Another guy uh, was uh, a guy named Hirohase, uh, worked for New Japan for a lot of years, always wore like the yellow, the athletic gold. Uh, I He inspired me a lot uh, for a lot of his throws. Um, I was very impressed with a lot of his suplexing. I thought he was excellent. So I was inspired a lot by him. Uh, the Steiner brothers, um, both excellent uh, in regards to adapting proper suplexing and different variations into professional wrestling. Obviously, uh, I, they inspired me also for sure. And then once I got to know them, I, it, it was very cool, you know, just shooting the shit with them, you know, about, about stuff like that. Uh, what else? What else? What else? Uh, who else? Well, the dynamite kid God, I mean, from the British Bulldogs, I mean, one of the greatest of all time, his snap suplex, right? If you guys remember the dynamite kid, his snap suplex was something that was just legends were made from. I mean, that was just, <laughs> just sick. His sat snap suplex for sure. Um, you know, uh, the more come to me as, as, as I'm talking here. But those are some of the guys jump out to me. Um, in Japan, New Japan and Old Japan, there was so many Japanese wrestlers and American wrestlers that really sunk their teeth into making money in Japan. All had long lists of different, you know, suplexing and maybe a couple of them that were really strong. Um, uh, Masa Saido, who unfortunately just left us, who just passed away, uh, just as I recorded this a couple of days ago, he did. Um, unfortunately, for, for you know, he was a a guy that he didn't do uh, a ton of different suplexes, but he had a belly to back pro wrestling style suplex, not a German. A belly to back that was just awesome. Like his belly to back suplex was sick. Um, I I I remember it. I remember you know I never wrestled him. Um, you know it, it was uh, he, but that belly to back. If you go watch him wa- and watch it, you go back and watch. I should say you'll see what I'm saying. Um, he was something else. He was explosive. Again, uh, lower to the ground, thicker built. You know. Uh, he uh, he used his power being uh, low to the ground, and that belly to back was really, really, really impressive that he used to do. And uh, and that was that was years back, right? But it was awesome. Um, trying to think of any uh, something else that jumps out to my head before I keep talking. Get into the details of like in a match with suplexing. Oh, if you think about like uh, the late great Mister Perfect Kurt Henning, who um, he did the Perfect Plex, which was a, a he it was a cradle suplex, like a fisherman into a bridge, and you know he 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 had a little bit more of a uh, a pro wrestling flair to it, especially during that time. Um, but obviously, Kurt Henning, Kurt Henning, an amazing athlete, 
I think he could have stuck the bridge any way he wanted, but he did it in a way because, you know, it was a lot of big dudes back in that day in Kurt's prime. So, you know, he had to really like, <laughs> yeah, you can't, you couldn't just like, uh, just go and hit some crazy throws on guys. And some of these dudes were gigantic back then, you know, the wrestlers have kind of gotten not smaller, but not as big, um, as back in Kurt, uh, Henning's prime. Um, you know, I'm trying to think of, uh, I feel like there's, there's definitely a few more cats that that'll come to me though, but you know, it's, there's different, like if you look at today, like for like Daniel Bryan, he does an, an awesome, his, uh, like rolling Germans that he, that he his suplexes, uh, excellent uh, technique is excellent. Again, being a little low to, lower to the ground helps him um, for sure. Uh, he, he does a Cesaro when he does a gut wrench, all that power he has is some cool technique to that gut wrench uh, for sure. Um, trying to think who else uh, I mentioned that my kid. Um all right, well, I'll, I'll get some more. I'll spitball some more uh, in time here. But there was um, there was some suplexes too for me. Well, I guess I, yeah, I guess I could, yeah, I'll get into that right now. Suplexes for me that were my one of my more my favorite throws. Um, I love doing Northern Lights suplexes. I was a big fan of the Northern Lights, and I always hit my Northern Lights in a bridge. And I would usually do it out of a wrestling spot most of the time. I didn't just do it clean like out of nowhere. I always tried to whip most of my suplexing have good psychology and not just hit it out of nowhere just for the fuck of it. You know, I, I, I it kind of irks me when I see wrestlers do that, where they just hit the throw just for the sake of, okay, I did that checklist. Okay, next. Okay. Now I got to do a drop kick. Okay, great. Oh, wait, let me do a super kick. I got to do it. Okay. Boom. I just did. All right, let me do a, let me do a springboard moots hole to the outside. Okay, good. Good. I hit that checklist. <laughs> not a fan of that. Uh, not a fan of the checklist shit. Not a fan of, let me get my shit in. I, I, I believe in psychology especially when it comes to a move as impactful and as strong as a suplex, especially when done right. But for me, um, some some of my more favorite ones were, like I said, the Northern Lights. I loved hitting the Northern Lights in a bridge. I used to challenge myself on the Northern Lights to stick the best bridge possible. And I humbly say, dudes, like I was 250 pounds, 245 pounds, up and down most of my career at five nine, and I was sticking those fucking bridges, dude. Um, and I'm proud of that. I mean, it's it's not easy at that size, that thickness. I had, <laughs> um, I had a good amount of muscle on me. I was proud of my flexibility in my spine, in my hips, in my glutes. I worked on my flexibility so much, guys. I mean, so so much uh, during my prime. I mean, really worked on my flexibility. Really worked on my power, my explosiveness, um, and my technique. So my suplexing, I tried to tried to make it the best. So Northern Lights for me was one of my one of my more fun of throws. T bone, which I named the T bone, which you know some folks call an exploder. Which I've been through this <laughs> on on here with uh, suplexing one hundred and one. I think we called like I said before. Um, an exploder is kind of like a high crotch grip to the side. Where your stomach, your weight is facing your opponent on the side. You high crotch, meaning in between his legs, high crotch, your right arm. And then you do something called a claw, what I call a claw, what your left arm, where you grab him up by his trap, by his neck. Um, and then you pop back arch, and there's what they call an exploder, which I call a high collar T bone suplex or high collar suplex. Um, a T bone is something that I remember Hase used to do, Scott Steiner did it a whole bunch where it was the same positioning as an exploder would be or a 
you know, high collar, where you high crotch, you're on the side, except you half waist. So it's a half waist and a high crotch. So left arm is half waist and right arm is high crotch. So hopefully you guys know what high crotch means. If not, you'll figure it out. Um, and then you go into your back arch and there goes your T-bone suplex. That's what I named it. Um, I don't know what other people called it, but that's what I call it. Um, I kind of named it. Um, and simple reasons. It looked like a T, right? I was grabbing you like a T and I was grabbing between your legs and around your waist. It was like a T motion from the side. And I would turn you in the air where I was the base of the T and you were the, the top part, the horizontal part of the T. And that's why I called it a T-bone. And T-bone always, everybody loves a T-bone steak. Of course, you got to put over a T-bone steak, right? So that's where that came from. Uh, like I said, high collar I love doing, T-bone love doing, Northern Lights love doing, front head and arm Tazplex or front head and arm suplex is uh, something that I don't suggest for taller wrestlers. Um, it's basically your belly to belly with a guy and you hook, you trap his arm and hook his head in his arm high with a high clasp um, right behind his head. And you got to be lower than you got to really have good flexibility and good explosive hips and boom, boom, boom. And there goes a big throw. I used to love fucking front head and arms throws. Especially off the, t- the turnbuckles and stuff, um, I really felt like it played into my advantage of being shorter than other guys. Again, notice what I said. I look at, I looked at being vertically challenged compared to my, a lot of other guys as an advantage for me because I used it towards my explosive offense, which I humbly feel I had. How's that? <laughs> Doesn't sound that humble, but if you say the word humble, well, then it sounds humble. So, <laughs> um. Trying to think what else, well, as far as throws that I liked, um, you know, I <clears throat> I didn't love doing too many back throws, meaning you know, dragon suplexes like a full Nelson. I did the half Nelson back throw a lot, which I think I've mentioned to you guys. Some of you guys are newer to my content, but we used to be called the car crash because Sabu named it because I did the Sabu of Turnbuckle once in Philadelphia. And he said it felt like he fucking went into a fucking car crash. So that's what we called it, the car crash. Uh, basically, it's a half waist and a half Nelson, and you're going backwards, and good luck. So, uh, you know, it, it's a dangerous throw. You, you know, you really got to, you know, know when to release your opponent. I didn't love doing it, but I did it a good amount. It was very, very explosive um, against Dragon Suplexes, too. I didn't do a ton. Germans, I did sometimes, not as much. You know why? Because a lot of guys are doing Germans, so I wanted to be different, you know. I always prided myself on being a little bit different than everybody else. You know, um, you know, I just kind of always try to be innovative, even to this day. You know, so um, in my crazy competitive mind that I, that my mind in this this podcasting realm, uh, that I have this crazy mindset that the world's out to get me, and no one is. But that's just how I am. Meaning, uh, the people that do podcasting because I'm nuts. Uh, some of the people that know me better in the industry would probably tell you that I'm a little crazy, but it's coming from a place of love um so uh so i'd say i said hi hi kala i talked about the back throws oh yeah a throw i incorporated a little later on was the high cradle tazplex where i trapped your leg and your head at the same time and clasped i've only done this in wwe a little bit here and there. i did the christian i believe maybe jeff hardy if i remember correctly and ec dub i said do it with sabu i'm sorry with uh, rob van dam a whole bunch um van damme had such great flexibility and he had big thick quads so it was it was a lot of you know thick leg to grab it was, and rob was flexible and you know he could take a bump from anywhere you wanted to throw him so it was easy with van damme um 
So, again, the back throws wasn't crazy about because of safety reasons. Vertical suplexes, basics, uh-uh, fuck that. Didn't do it really much ever because everybody and their mother was doing it. So I didn't, you know, I didn't want to do that. I just didn't want to do a vertical. I would do a throw, a front headlock suplex where I would overhook your head and underhook your arm. And it's almost like a, there's a move that you learn. Well, I don't know if they teach it anymore in wrestling school. When I broke in years ago, uh, they would teach you like this front headlock, like a front headlock takedown, not a side headlock takedown, a front headlock takedown. I incorporated a front headlock takedown where it's almost out of a front face lock into a suplex. So um, uh, tough throw on your opponent's upper griddle, his neck and shoulders, but you got to make sure you're doing with a guy who's strong and that you can really pop over. Um, again, I know I'm giving you a lot of detail. Hopefully I'm not boring you with it. I just, I'm passionate about it. I haven't, I haven't suplexed someone in a long time, but it sticks out to me. Uh, so, <laughs> all right, I'm going to go to break in a second. And when we come back from break, right, I'm going to talk about uh, a couple of the younger current wrestlers that are doing suplexes that I personally think a cool other uh, way to do the throws. And also I want to talk about um, some of the psychology behind when to do suplexing, when not in a match, uh, that type of thing, maybe a little more do's and don'ts on it. You know, that type of uh, feel on the uh, concept of the throw. So uh, do all of that uh, right here on the Taz show. Sit tight. Be right back. It's the year-end sale at Mattress Firm. Come in and save up to $400 on America's best-selling brands, like a Beautyrest Queen mattress now just $4.99. You can also take home a free adjustable base with qualifying mattress purchase. Visit mattressfirm.com or a store near you to find your perfect bed today. These deals won't last, so hurry in. Your budget stretches further at Mattress Firm. Offer valid with qualifying purchase. Offer available while supplies last. Restrictions apply. Valid at participating locations only. For offer details, visit mattressfirm.com sale. All right, kids, we are back here on the Taz Show. We're going to continue this conversation about suplex. Uh, first, support for the Taz Show comes directly from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. See, they understand that the home plays a big role in your life and family. That's why they created Rocket Mortgage. And with Rocket Mortgage, well, you get the confidence you need when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. And it's simple, guys. And it's convenient also. Its trusted partners allow you to share your financial information with Rocket Mortgage at a touch of a button. And in addition to getting a real mortgage approval in minutes, you can even adjust the rate and length of your loan in real time to make sure you're getting the right solution for you and or your family. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Apply simply. Understand fully. Mortgage confidently. To get started, please go to rocketmortgage.com slash Taz. That's rocketmortgage.com slash T-A-Z. Equal housing lender. Licensed in all 50 states. NMLSconsumeraccess.org number 3030. So there you go, Rocket Mortgage. So... So like I said, we're going to get into a little more deep, deep detail on the suplex and like kind of the do's and don'ts in a match. When maybe you should, when maybe you shouldn't. Some simple stuff that sticks out to maybe me or some other pro wrestlers, maybe to fans. Why would you know? You're not, you're not a wrestler, right? Um, and also some of the younger uh, guys and girls maybe that do some pretty cool suplexes. And uh, we'll get into that too. So um, so it's funny. Uh, it's kind of cool, I should say. Not funny. It was nice. Uh, nice and cool. How about that? Nice and cool. 
So nice and cool to get a, a tweet the other day from one of the young uh, cats wrestling for NXT, um, uh, Raymond Rowe, uh, R-O-W-E, a tremendous uh, young wrestler right there in the uh, NXT. And he basically said I inspired him, and he tagged me on Twitter for the type of suplexes, suplexes he throws. He's excellent. He's excellent for a bigger dude. He's excellent. Uh, he's And I was very appreciative that he said that and that he acknowledged me and gave me the nod like that. That was very nice of him. Um, I, I, I respect that. You know, I, I don't think there's a lot of that. I should say enough of that with younger talent today where not just with suplexing with anything where, you know, if you are inspired by a, a veteran wrestler, you know, Maybe acknowledge it in an interview someplace, or maybe uh, do something on social media. Every once a blue moon, it's it's okay. I mean, I'm not just saying myself about anybody. You know, I just think it's it's the right thing to do. You know, I, I've talked in the past, like like the Tasmaniac, right? Well, I talked about this more than once. The Tasmaniac was inspired by the Missing Link. You guys remember the Great Missing Link, Dewey Robinson, right? The, the Missing Link. A lot of you guys remember him, and and and. Um, and by the Wild Samoans uh, uh, and uh, the Samoan SWAT team uh, years after the Wild Samoans. So uh, that's where a mix of with a little bit of suplexing in there from like the Steiners and stuff like that. So that's kind of that crazy, wacky, fucked up hybrid of talents uh, made that Tasmania character as crazy as that shit sounds. But, you know, um, it's OK to, 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 to say that it's OK. No one's going to think that you're hacking if you admit it, if you don't admit it. And you just steal shit. You look like a fucking jabroni. And then fans know you're a jabroni and like, yo, what's up, man? Why are you stealing this guy's shit and not giving him a little respect? You know, so I think something that's just something to think about for those younger guys and girls out there. Um, Becky Lynch, obviously, uh, in WWE, and she's had great success. But she does a great job with suplexing, um, you know, excellent, excellent uh, technique in her throws and stuff. So she's put a lot of work into it. You know, she's someone that really does a great job. My man, Jeff Cobb, you know him from Lucha Underground, Matanza, right? Big Jeff Cobb. He's a, a legit guy, though. He's not just some big dude that's a pro wrestler that can do some suplexes and wear a big mask on Lucha Underground and beat the shit out of you. You know, he's um, he's a legit dude. He's uh, a good guy. He's been on the show, by the, by the way. He's been on my show. I've had him on uh, a while back and and we had a great i think it was a video when we had video he was on video jones video video and he was a olympic wrestler and i believe it was 04 uh 2004 so you know he's, he's got a legitimate background and he knows how to adapt his style with suplexing into his offense he does a great job of that uh for sure um i mean for his finish he does that kind of pull back i don't know what he calls that uh that kind of like that suit that power slam he does um uh, he, where he pulls you in and does like a little spin gimmick and then drives you down. It's awesome. Um, but he's built for power. And, um, and those that are into, by the way, I talked in the past about Dojo Pro, uh, that the stuff on, was it Amazon? I'm trying to, I drew a blank on my own stuff I talked about. But he's on there too, Jeff Cobb. So if you wanted to see Jeff do his thing and apply his craft, he's awesome at it. So, yeah, th- those, those are several that jump out to me that I think are excellent. And there's a lot of others. Um there's definitely oh uh kyle o'reilly does a great job of it for sure he does some good throws um a bu- bunch of talents in nxt that do good throws and sometimes it now this is where i i i, I want to try to be clear i don't want to uh, i want to come off the wrong way um I, it's kind of like 
I, I'm a little in fear <clears throat> that suplexing is almost becoming like the new clothesline, which we had after the new clothesline, the new super kick, which is now the suplex, which is not a new super. Maybe that made no sense. You get my drift. For years, the clothesline was prostituted nonstop in professional wrestling, right? And now the past, I don't know, seven, eight years, whatever the hell it's been, fuck. I mean, like super kicks are everywhere, okay? And and super kicks are everywhere. And some guys doing great. Some guys don't. Some girls doing great. Some girls don't. Um, you know, uh, Young Bucks, you know, super kick party Jones, they're awesome at it. Ain't no doubt about that. Uh but my point is the super kick can it's kind of getting a little oversaturated for sure. And I'm starting to feel like suplexing, especially the German suplex, is starting to get really oversaturated, you know? And it's it's uh it's it's a shame because it's when it's used too much in a match and when a suplex is used at the wrong time in a match. I used to try to very rarely, very, very rarely use a suplex early in the match. I always, because people were expecting a suplex from me, so I made them wait and wait and wait and wait, you know. So so when I did it, it fucking made something. It made sense, and it blew the roof off the building most of the times. And I would, you know, then pair it up, bang, 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 for a crescendo, you know, to just boom, 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 climax up, you know. That's how I did it. And usually it was towards the end of the match, usually, unless it was a long fucking battle with Sabu, then that's a different story. That didn't count. So <laughs> that was like all bets are off. You got to just fucking survive here with this crazy Sabu. So um, <laughs> the um, the thing is, I think that a lot of young wrestlers, they'll they'll hit a really nice suplex early in the match, and it's just like, and next you know, you're, getting, you're picking the guy up and you're doing another spot to him, and then you pick him up and do another spot. It's like, well, what the fuck? Did the suplex didn't mean shit. You know, the guy didn't get a chance to sell it. The people didn't get a chance to react. It was just used as a transitional spot. Well, it shouldn't be a transitional spot. You want to do a fucking snapmare as a traditional spot, uh, a transitional transitional spot, fine. But a suplex? Any type of suplex? No, it's not. It's a big move. You know, and I understand evolution. I understand how the business changes. And years ago, many, many years ago, a full body slam was a finish. Well, geez, that hasn't been the case for a lot of years because, you know, fans get smarter to the business and guys push the envelope more and more and more. We're at a point now where the envelope is basically disintegrated. There's no more envelope. That's how much we, we have talent pushing stuff. And I have, a, I have no problem with that. I'm not bitched about that. I just I believe in psychology with the suplex where and where not to do it. I believe save it later in a match where it means something, no reason to pick the person up if it's a high-impact throw, no reason to pick them up, let them sell a little bit, you know, let, let the audience react a little bit. I mean, simple psychology for me, and, you know, sometimes you don't see that. And that, like, I don't understand that. I don't That's just not proper psych, physical psychology as a professional wrestler. Um, so I, I think that stuff's important. Like, you got to know when and when not to do these throws. Um couple of the throws I didn't talk about, just to backtrack, if you don't mind, for a second. Some of the more uh, traditional pro wrestling, like, for example, a belly-to-belly suplex. Well, I used to use a, a bear hug type of belly-to-belly release over the, overhead belly-to-belly suplex like you would see the Steiners do. A lot of guys did them. Uh, you know, did them right. Um, 
I pride myself that I did it right. Then I wanted to change it up, and I trapped both arms. <laughs> that was always fun for guys. I mean, I'm going to trap both your arms and do a belly-to-belly overhead release. Good luck. So you're going over backwards. As I'm bridging, and your arms are trapped. It was not fun for them, but thank God everyone landed safely. Um, but the traditional belly-to-belly where you trap one arm like you would see Magnum TA do back in the day, or you would see um, the franchise Shane Douglas did a belly-to-belly traditional. And I feel like those are suplexes, kind of. Um, they are, but they're not. They're belly-to-belly with an arm trap. There's certain ways to do those where, okay, um, I'm trying to think of a guy that you could watch. I didn't. I did, did it once, very rare like this, where I would trap one arm in a corner. I had the guy in the corner was back to the corner. I trap one arm and I do a back step into like a Polish throw. They would call it like a back, uh, um, a belly to belly with arm trapped into a pole. Like an arm. Uh, I'm trying to describe it the right way for you. With a back step, with a spin to get your hips tighter to your opponent as you're back stepping and spinning him on the mat. In like a Polish throw, this is kind of like freestyle talk. I'm just spitballing. Scott Starner was excellent at this throw, and he did this during his WCW, not Big Papa Pump days, but if you watch Scotty Steiner when him and Rick were doing, you know, the Michigan Jackets, uh, this was after Rick was in the Varsity Club, and they were kicking ass as a tag team in the Superstation and TBS, and Jim Ross was doing the commentary in the studios those eras. You watch Scott Steiner. He used to do a uh, arm trap, one arm trap, belly to belly suplex out of the corner, where he'd have his his opponent's back in the corner. He'd grab him, um, and then he would back step out, spin, and then do the suplex. The reason why he did that is because when you back step and you could spin for a second and then throw, what happens is the torque in your hips brings you and your opponent even closer, and it makes the throw even tighter. And that's why you can explode and the throw looks more explosive. How's that for some inside shit? So, <laughs> but that's true. Um, and there's no allusion to it. There's no trick to it. It's just technique. It's it's called training. It's called, you know, knowing what the fuck you're doing. It's not just like, well, I'm going to do this with my buddy in the backyard and see if that shit works like Tasha with a Polish throw. No, don't do that. I Don't do that ever. Um, no, there's, 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 there's professional training involved here. So this is, you know, Scott was doing that, you know, in a wrestling room at the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor, you know, practicing, you know, how to how to get better torque in his hips you know so that you know that stuff's all like very important um you know it's an art suplexing is an art um it's it's something that i don't want to see get watered down and get just saturated in the business where it's so much um i do think that that could be happening uh as we speak (laughs) you see a lot of different suplexes um, I, 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 as long as I, I'm a sloop, I'm a suplex snob. So I, I want to see it protected. So I'm probably a little nitpicking on it, but just spread them out, protect it a little bit, give it some respect. Um, no matter which one you're doing, I don't care if you're doing a belly, belly overhead release or trapping both arms, or you're doing an exploder or a T-bone or, or, or a dragon suplex or a tiger, a tiger suplex, which is, another bitch of a throw where it's like you grab your opponent's arms from behind your belly to back with him, um, almost like a German suplex, uh, but you overhook his arms. It's not an easy throw. And um, because there's really not a lot to grab onto except his limbs. 
So it's a little rough. And then you back arch. It's it's not as easy as some guys make it look. It's a tough throw. I used to do it sometimes. I wasn't a fan of it. It just wasn't explosive without really injuring your opponent. So I didn't do it that much. But it, it's a great throw. Uh Tiger Suplex. Um yeah, I mean, uh, and then like I said, some traditional stuff like like I mentioned uh, the 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 great dynamite kid. You know, dynamite kid. You know, his snap suplex was was epic, like just amazing the way he stepped through. Again, real quick, the key what dynamite kid the way he did that snap suplex. Again, to my point, he's sh- lower to the gr- she, he's he was shorter to the ground. His hips are way below his opponent's hips. But what he did that wasn't the key. The key was he stepped deep, deep into his opponent. If you watched. If you watch Dynamite Kid, go watch some old footage, how great this dude was. But watch him. He stepped deep into his opponent as he snapped his guy over. That's the key, the step through. That's the key. See those little techniques right there, right? Fuck, that's shit's important. So, again, I get a little passionate about it. I'm sweating as I'm talking about it. I get a little nuts. But you know what? Listen, there's... There's uh there's plenty of, of room in, in the pro wrestling universe for, for guys to and girls to suplex. Keep doing it. Be safe. Make sure your opponent is not in danger. And for fans, you know, I'll give you little tidbits. Look at some stuff I'm telling you, and, and you'll see, oh wow, no, this motherfucker's right, we just said. You know, so check it out. And uh and and I appreciate you guys uh checking this out and another edition of the Taz Show, just a little suplex uh, chatter and and we might do this down the road again. Whereas like I said, I talked to some of the fans of the show where I got some insight. Maybe once in a while, uh, I pick a move set or a move, and we discuss it. And just to give you a little, uh, you know, a little chatter on it. You know what I mean? Without pulling back the curtain too much and do a bit of that K word, as they call it. <laughs> Don't you dare say that word now. Don't you dare say that word. I can say it. You can't. All right, I kid. Guys, thanks for all the support as always. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. I'm Taz. You're not. I'll talk to you guys very soon. Adios. Space and screen names back then when I was only worried about my top friends. Now my circle is getting smaller, all these people acting fake, man. And to be honest, I don't even have a top ten. Me against the world, I've been doing what I really love. Haters been hiding behind the screen, man. They movie cuts, and when I'm back at home, it never feels the same.